Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the PC Perspective Podcast. We have reached episode 723. This is being recorded on May 17, 2023. I'm Sebastian Peake. I'm Jeremy Hellstrom. I'm Brett Van Spurberg. And pinch hitting for Josh Walrath, I'm Kent Burgess. Yes, uh, Kent joins us from AAA, where he's been having a good season. He's hitting 284, uh, 17 home runs, yep. 63 RBIs. Hmm. You can help support PC Perspective by going to patreon.com slash PCPer and become one of our elite patrons, like Steve F. and Pete, a great guy. It's Pete underscore. Steve, a great guy. Steve yeah. and Pete. Now, Pete has really, really dumped the contents of his wallet out into the kitty here tonight. And uh, oh. I want to really say thank you very much. And we'll have something special for you from Josh next week, I would say. Wow. Uh, Pete is uh, Maybe it'll be a, deep. a paddle boat in Cambridge. Could be. Yeah. So Josh thanks, is, Pete. He's living his much best life this week. He is. Sure. Josh may not be with us, but Kent, uh, you're occupying the lower right square, so we have to go to you for uh, Burger of the Week. Do you have anything? It's contractual. Uh, for yeah. our Burger of the Week, I, I knew I was filling in for Josh. I knew I, I couldn't let the team down, so I uh, picked up a burger for lunch today from a local restaurant called the Universal Joint. Um and despite the fact this is in Asheville, North Carolina, the CBD capital of North Carolina, this is a burger joint, not the other kind. Uh, this was a bison burger, uh, also in honor of our friend Mr. Walworth from the uh, Great Northwest, um, on a ciabatta bun uh, with bacon, cheddar, and uh, Swiss cheese. Um, topped with uh, lettuce, tomato, and it was wonderful. The fries were excellent. Um, it's a great place. They, they, they do really great jobs with their burger. They offer all kinds of protein uh, burgers. You can get Impossible Burgers there. You can get uh, just standard ground beef. And as I said, this is bison. But it was great and tasty. Our top story tonight is mandatory Intel Arc coverage. Finally, we can lead off with Arc again. And we actually have a reason to because Intel Arc, there's been a big development. Saw some video with this Ryan uh, Shrout guy, Tom Peterson. Intel balanced builds. It's new. I'm reading off of the screen here. Maximum value optimized performance. I remember doing an article this years ago. This imply for... that Intel was unbalanced before this. Yes, they are bringing balance to themselves. Hmm. Yes. I did an article many years ago for PC Perspective called How Much... Let me just Google it. CPU do you really need? We need. Which... Uh, the answer is one. You only need one CPU. <laughs> exactly. I published this in 2015. It took me basically the whole spring and early summer to do this. I am so proud of this graphic that I made. Uh, and it was uh, flawed, deeply flawed, uh, because it took me so many months to do all the testing that I think I was on like different like chipset and driver revisions by the end of it. I don't know. I don't remember. I feel like I was not as good at benchmarking back then. And I was making charts I that were... I don't think it's good to suppress it. 
They were they were longer than your average tech power up chart. They were just look look at this. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Impossible. Not possible. I, I was trying to I do don't know. each of it's these. Looking close. The the idea was run each test with each CPU and GPU combo three times and then average the results. And I I still have the Excel spreadsheet somewhere. And I oh remember going God. through it at the very end after months and months of testing, and thinking like what the heck does this mean? And why is this number so high? And what, what is this outlier? But it was too late because I had bought and then sold a bunch of components to get all this testing done. Because I wasn't getting review samples back then. I think I got like two things from the office, including this Intel Core i5-4440, which I borrowed from a computer at the PC Pro offices. But had to return. And then, oh, I borrowed the FX9592 and a fatality board to run it in. And that thing was a piece. I mean, did did your house burn down after using the ninety five ninety? No, but it wouldn't stop throttling. I couldn't run it, uh, and even even in a short benchmark run, the thing was throttling. <laughs> with the fast, like the I had a Corsair H one hundred five at full speed, with like you know fresh thermal paste. I know people always blame you for not applying the thermal paste. Popular, Pop, too much, too that? little. You know the snow end like of an blame. ice cream cone. Just yeah. keep it pouring. Anyway, deeply flawed uh, article that essentially tells you nothing of any usefulness. But Intel, they've had their uh, testers busy because they want to make sure that you're getting the best value, the performance-driven value. Similar to my old testing, they they have been working hard to gather more than 15,000 data points, it says here. So now they know exactly how much Intel CPU you need and where the sweet spots are. But more importantly, I mean, this is cool. And you can watch the video, see exactly how they came about uh, some of their decisions here. Clearly, I mean, this is marketing. They want you to buy Intel processors and graphics cards. And honestly, I mean, the Intel graphics keep on getting better and better. And they have uh, more VRAM than the competition at this price point, as we will probably soon see. Look, there's Ryan and Tom Peterson seated to his Up left. Wearing, wearing his ARC shirt. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're they're talking about, you know, what we were just saying, that there's, you know, a sweet spot and how much CPU performance do you really need? And then, of course, the improvements to art graphics since launch, because this yet another product on you know, that launched with, you know, it was unfinished. It was like a beta product. <laughs> and mm-hmm. then they got yeah. real drivers and it improved drastically over time. And now it's actually a very solid GPU that doesn't really have the market share that it deserves, I think. What was their uh, Intel CPU recommendation here? They're looking at reviewer site test builds and the CPU gap, reviewer to real world. Of course, they're omitting a hardware unbox, which uses a 5800X3D, yeah. but you know, I guess they don't want to talk about that. No, too much value for the money. Kind of, mentions the AMD. I, I kind of want to go oh, back go. to that CPU. But yeah, there you go. Right. The screw AM5, parts. screw the new stuff and DDR5. Mm. Let's go back to 5800X3D. I would actually go with a 5800X3D. A month ago, I would have said a 7800X3D, but, um, well, you know, explosions happened since then. Um, but I would go with a 5800X3D, and then the most ex- uh, the, the most graphics card you can get for the remainder of the money after after the, X3, the 5800. Um, DDR4 is so cheap right now. Uh, you could get 32, 64, whatever you want. Um, and you could have an absolutely killer system for $2,500. Uh, you know, if where I think that this article fits in is more like the, 
the $1,500 build um, because then you can get the uh, the ARC 770 16 gig, um, 5800X 3D or a, a 12600 or 13600 and um you'd be set at that point but yeah $2500 build if you go with the 5800X 3D you can you know have a lot of room left for a great graphics card you think that's uh 4080 territory within like $1200 mm-hmm. for the 4080 $1200 for everything else kind of you wouldn't need yeah, anywhere near yeah, so. twelve hundred for everything else. If you're doing fifty eight hundred X three D with the motherboard, you're at five hundred. Yeah, and that's with yeah. that's probably yeah. with some DDR four. Well, you're gonna get yeah. say you know you get two two terabyte uh, Gen four. That's so one hundred and fifty bucks. bucks. Yep, and a DDR four thirty two gig less than a hundred dollars. Well, I mean, I don't want to toot our own horn or anything. But uh, the current high-end system on the hardware leaderboard is $1,912 sans case and cooler. So if you have a case and a cooler, that's an extra 500 bucks to blow on what I found a, a 3080 LHR at a decent price. But yeah, if you're only going to spend two or $300 on your case and your cooling, that gives you a little more space to get up towards the, a 4070, 4080 if you want. But maybe it's yeah. there. We can look at it. Jeremy. I was gonna re- I was gonna notice uh, that she actually went Intel at thirteen seven hundred K on that one. I honestly, it currently looks like a better performance to value. Uh, mm-hmm. Now this will change, of course, because prices are bouncing around a lot. But then the other thing is that uh, I found a nice motherboard to pair with it that didn't cost five hundred bucks. It's like a Z nine or a C seven ninety Aorus Elite AX, which has just about bloody well everything on it for two hundred fifty five bucks. The AMD when yeah, it was trying to get the same sort of stuff for the same price, not quite as good. And there's the kerfuffle about RAM right now. So if you are looking to for a high end, you're probably going to play around with uh, overclocking and stuff. So why not just go with some DDR5 6400 that you don't have to worry about the voltage with? So that's a less than 2K Intel build with a 3080 LHR. You're going to break the bank yeah. with a, with a well, you probably in a 4070 Ti territory roughly yeah for 2500 you could almost do i mean not quite you'd have to have some existing components but you could almost do the 5800 x3d and a 4090 for 2500 yes yeah you probably could yeah with with your own case and if you have a good like a solid power supply then you might that that would be the that would be the see, probably aside from the GPU, the most expensive piece. Power budget. Right your power budget is less than eight hundred watts, I think, on a system like that. Probably eight eight hundred, a little bit more, right around there. Or something. Yeah, like if you that. get a Founders 40, Edition forty ninety, those don't exceed four fifty. Four hundred. Yeah, there's there you know momentary power. You might get more, but you know we'll talk about the PSU I looked at recently, which has a, a higher peak power, which than looks continuous really rated power. Cool. But, yeah, it's it looks no, like. A solid enough 850 would be enough, especially if it can ex- if it can go up to 950 uh, for short durations. But. And with the 5800X3D, you don't need a whole lot of CPU cooler. Nope. No, you don't. I mean, you don't have don't use the stock one. You can right because it has a lower wow. power draw than the other uh, AM4 parts of the if, of its generation. So it's it's a very efficient processor. Uh, getting back to this balance builds thing real quick. Here's a slide from the video. 
CPU and GPU starting at 423 US dollars for an A7 series GPU. So that's going to be the the A5 or the A750. Pairing that with that's probably with a Core i3, but yeah, an i3 or an i5, and yeah, you're you're under a grand. Yeah, for the total system, and they have all these partners. So there there are links I know on their their balanced builds sites. That seems that, very aggressive to get that in at 900, but okay, yeah. they've got a real build sheet there. Interesting partners. Oh, Canada Computers, eh? Hey. Hey. I should check that out. It says online only. Well, that's fine, because I can't get into one. So look, there's bundle pricing that they're obviously underwriting. Okay. Or they're helping with that, oh. I'm sure, through some kind of advertising deal. Not yeah, it's Canadian, though, so. It's not a full system deal. They're bundling their products. No, I see. No, listen, there's, there's more than one uh, aspect to this. Okay. There's, there's more than one aspect. gen processors. What's that? <laughs> well, Why 10th and, and 11th gen processors? Because 13th gen are expensive because up pricing. here right now. The, I, was, I didn't scroll very far. This is a oh, pretty okay. big... This is a pretty big page where it just goes on and on and on and on. So, I mean, I could eventually, here's 12. Yeah, gen, one of those $900 deals is going to be. 900K, KS. We're up to 13th gen. So, I mean, 13. Yeah. This is just yeah. the one Canada Computers uh, example, but there are others. And then there are pre built systems. Let's go to main gear here and just see what a uh, balanced bundle system might cost. Where are the. Are there some pre-configured ones? Let's see. Arc A750 graphics with an i5-12400F. It's probably going to be your entry level. That's $999. They have one for $1099 with a 750 and an i5-13400F. So, yeah. I thought they said it started at $899. Price point. Mm-hmm. There'll be some higher-end options out there. But, I mean, that's not bad for a pre-built with a better than a 1030 or a 1650 <laughs> or some of the stuff you see yeah, in some of those really Yeah, Jeremy. Pre-built. Well, I mean, they're out there, unfortunately, and they're the vast majority of them. Let's see what Micro Center's in-store only pricing looks like. No, I don't want to. I'm sure he said it. He said it. A seven fifties are just two forty nine ninety nine. Hey, Power Spec Gaming PC is eight ninety nine ninety nine. There's the nine. There you go. Mm-hmm. They hit the price point. What they do you did. got? Let's see what these what Power Spec the have. Power Spec. I- most importantly, RGB fans. Oh, it's an A770. So even the cheapest PC, you get the higher end. And it's a i5. Yeah, cropped thir- out on the RAM. Well, 13400F. So they, they went as they squeezed the CPU as hard as they could. i5, of course, 16 gigabyte system, DDR4. That's two, fine. Uh, I mean, you don't need yep. the high speed memory on hours. Intel, really. A terabyte SSD, not necessarily NVMe, so terabyte NV, uh, SSD. And it, it looks like the front panel is mesh. It looks like there would be actual True. air intake. Yes. Without, would be, without would be kind to this one. Well, there is That's a very a aggressive... Uh, there isn't an aggressive exhaust on that. I have to say it was rather passive. It it looks right. fine. This is for eight ninety nine with a sixteen gigabyte GPU because you know as you know the I only mean, spec that matters with GPU can we, is the VRAM. It doesn't can look we like even, it's got a chief tech power supply either. <laughs> no, it's well, it's a pretty big power supply in there. I think Is they it? could have thrown in an eight dollar one twenty millimeter exhaust fan for that amount of money. <laughs> hey, look, that would cut. Oh, uh, but profits. would it have been the right one? Or do you want to buy your Squeeze. own special one? Squeezing they it too hard. They could call I me, and I would send them about thirty one hundred and twenty millimeter fans. <laughs> 
Let me get to the address of my local micro center. They'd be happy to incorporate those. Yeah. <laughs> Moving on from that arc story to something at videocards.com. And this is an important follow-up. Obviously, there's been a lot of negative press about not just the AM5 platform and CPUs that get really hot and do bad things, but Asus themselves taking a lot of... Uh, I don't even know how to describe exactly what Steve and Gamers Nexus have been doing to Asus, but it's it's not been kind. So Asus Correct. has responded to probably the biggest, most legitimate complaint, which was that their warranty did not cover using their own new beta BIOS that offered, you know, to reduce the SOC voltage and solve some of these problems. It also didn't cover using Expo or XMP, which is kind of industry standard stuff. But anyway, there's a press release they sent out and this is what it is. Asus BIOS updates and warranty coverage for Asus AM5 platform motherboards with Ryzen 7000 series processors. That's the title. This is from the 15th. So this is a couple of days old now as we record this. Quote, we want to address the concerns that have been raised by our users about whether recent BIOS updates will impact the warranty of Asus AM5 motherboards. We would like to reassure our customers that both beta and fully validated BIOS updates for Asus AM5 motherboards are covered by the original manufacturer's warranty. We would also like to confirm the following points. The Asus AM5 motherboard warranty also covers all AMD Expo, Intel XMP, and DOCP memory configurations. All recent BIOS updates follow the latest AMD voltage guidelines for AMD Ryzen 7000 series processors. Furthermore, we'd like to reiterate our commitment to supporting the AMD AM5 platform and our customers, etc. So they are doing their best to uh, do some damage control here and actually extending their warranty to cover the way that people actually use enthusiast platforms is, is a nice move obviously good of them here we're going to give you this knob but please don't turn it that just seems awkward yeah i'd like to see the rest of the industry follow suit and have similar uh you know reversals and say oh yeah we, we fully cover you overclocking your memory and i the beta bios thing bothers me a lot because i'm pretty much left with no choice but to run beta bios because that's the only uh, way to benchmark with the latest AGSA microcode on AM5. So I have MSI, an MSI M5 board back here, and it's constantly one or two revisions of beta BIOSes ahead of the last official release. So it's like, oh, I can be on 1003 or I can be on 1.0.0.7a, but I have to be on a beta, and that voids the warranty. So, hmm. Hmm. Or does it? But there's been just more and more uh, articles published, if you haven't noticed, on AM5 issues. Uh, it's not just Asus. Apparently, Igor's lab was saying it's Gigabyte 2. And it's it seems to be a little bit more widespread when you actually start digging in and manually verifying the voltages rather than just trusting uh, what the motherboard says it is set to. Der Bauer's uh, done some videos on this as well. He, as a matter of fact, he had the first of the uh, 7000 series that I saw that had failed in this way. Um, and he didn't even no notice at the bottom how the pins and the socket were damaged at the time. Um, he had just gotten the, uh, the processor and saw that it had gotten so hot that it had actually melted the solder and the solder bled out from underneath the, uh, the heat spreader. Um, and the, the original user had contacted him and said, Hey, there's liquid metal on my CPU, but I didn't use liquid metal. And so Derbauer said, well, send that to me. Um, 
So, yeah, he's been looking into this, and that board was a gigabyte board. Um, and so we've seen gigabytes, uh, Asus boards, uh, the MSI boards, all of them having this issue. Um, hopefully, they'll get it rectified soon. But from my understanding, we're still seeing it, even after these updated BIOSes. Um, and it's a little frightening uh, for the industry in a way. Our next story involves a strange combination. Logitech and iFixit are officially partners now. It's true. Why? What is is this uh, all about? uh, Well, it's to save the environment because they want to get rid of e-waste. So Logitech is giving you the right to repair your equipment. Great PR spin. And honestly, it's win-win. Who cares what their excuse is? I fix it that have been providing instructions on how to fix Logitech kit for a while and sort of providing, you know, where parts are able, able to be found and such. Well, no, as of this summer, Logitech is sort of rolling this out uh, to see if two other mice, the MX Master and the MX Anywhere, they're going to provide iFixit spare parts, instructions on fixing everything, uh, in, an, in a nice little package. Uh, so it'll be an official repair kit, which would be really nice to see if they start spreading this to more things. I mean, honestly, it, it's sort of, it, to me, it's it just the right to repair is starting to scare some companies and they're realizing that people are getting really freaking annoyed that, hey, why can I not just buy this one little Omron micro switch conveniently as opposed to going to Baidu or something and getting it shipped across seas? I think this, if Lo- and Logitech's a good one to do it because everyone's got their crap. We all buy it and eventually, you know, it just sort of gets lost in a corner and it dies and we don't care anymore. Honestly, being able to fix it and give it to someone else is a lot better than just tossing it away or, you know, throwing it in the back corner and just leaving it until eventually one day you throw it away. I think this is a really good step, but we've got to wait until summer to do it, see it. And it's two small business portable mice that they're going to be for the first ones. I really hope that this catches on because it would be really handy. Uh, like throwing up some instructions on how to fix their old joysticks would be very interesting. Uh, and you could get actual grease for the moving parts as opposed to having to buy a big tub of automated, uh, modem, eh, automotive <laughs> grease. That would be kind of nice. What are going to do with the rest of it? Mice, uh, <laughs> mice specific grease containers. You know, I've, well, no, I've but, taken like, apart. For a joystick. Sure. Right? You want to grease yeah. that up. But do you really want to buy the big tub of grease they're expecting to throw on your whatever. How aggressively are you using your stick? Uh, well, at that point, it's it's uh, I'm free. I've I've taken apart several Logitech mice just to reduce noises inside of them because I didn't like the way that they no. rattled or felt. So, what I would love to be able to do in the past has been able to order those um, those slide the slider pads on the bottom because they just don't go down quite the way when you kind of pick at them. I, and I re- thought about it when I was uh, looking at the picture that I saw there with the um, the tri pick, yep. the tri corner pick. Uh, raising up one of them from underneath the the image in a, in a, um, to gain access to some of the screws that hold it together. They're underneath the pads that allow it to slide nicely on like mouse surfaces and things like that. The the corners don't quite go down smooth, and it it just feels not this quite the same. 
So it'd be great to be able to order those parts. I applaud Logitech. I hope, again, more companies get I on hope board. hope it catches on. Not simply because for repair, but just to order spare parts because you've done some modification, like in my case, was just because I wanted to reduce a rattle. I'm excited about this just for a personal reason. I have three of these G603 mice uh, that it's a nice wireless. It was the first one I remember that just popped open. You could put one or two rechargeable double A's in it. Um, It's reasonably lightweight, not compared to the current crop of ultralight gaming mice. But so I've got three of these. I bought one. Um, it's a great little mouse, but about six months into it, the scroll wheel started doing the, you know, you scroll down, the screen goes up thing. Um, and Logitech just sent me a replacement. They didn't even ask me to send the original back. And about eight or so months later, the, the replacement did that. I did some research online and saw that they had fixed that. And I liked the mouse and they're not that expensive. I got a third. And about a year later, it it did the same thing. So I have three of these that are perfectly functional mice, except for the scroll wheel. And you can't get the scroll wheel. So I use them for certain things. But yeah, it's a great little mouse, and I wish that I could get parts. Uh, This is great. I I applaud Logitech. Hopefully everybody I hope more companies pay attention, too. Absolutely. And they can profit by it, too. Sell you the parts, but make them inexpensive enough that it's worth buying this probably high-margin part from them and not just replacing the entire unit. I mean, a lot of times companies, they sort of retire parts, and if they're not ordering the specific parts for for the components, it's not economical for their supplier to continue making those. So a little forethought in stocking up uh, wear items and things like that are really where some of these companies need to consider. So it's not always the companies being, you know, we don't want you to repair the things is because the parts just really aren't available or they hoard them for themselves. I don't even want to say hoard. That's kind of wrong, but for ones that are sent back in for warranty purposes, they need to have the spares. So the secondary markets just can't be, can't even be supplied. And you can't convince me that Logitech doesn't have several racks in the warehouse somewhere full of just the pads for an MX Master. Oh, probably, yeah. Yeah, and they, right. if they so were smart, them out or they, just ship them over. They, they would use similar pads on multiple different mice, for instance. Well, of course they do. Mm-hmm. Of course they do. But you're still, they're going to end up with a bunch of extra pads. It's like, yes. pay to store them. Or ship them to fix it and start shipping them out to your customers. Yeah, iFix it has positioned themselves very smartly in this marketplace. I hope more uh, oh, companies. It took them a long managed. time and it was a big mm-hmm. fight. They got sued multiple times, but they did. They're winning. Yep. I mean, they, you know, uh, divested into parts, uh, kits, uh, and uh, obviously the yep. instructions, but began selling their own uh, hardware. Uh, no, I don't mean. They like, still charge too much for guitar picks, though. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I looked true. at that. You call I mean, it the, the tri-corner. I'm like, that's a dumb. I know, I love pick. it. Isn't it? It's the, like the a bigger yeah. triangle one. Yeah, some it's but the the corners are slimmed down on purpose. But I, I was talking. Yeah, about it's one of the super thin. Yeah, like a thin ones. guitar pick. Yes. Yeah, it's not, it's not exact. Okay. Next up, the EU has approved Microsoft's 69 billion dollar deal for Activision Blizzard that we've been talking about for months and months now. 
This is being reported by the New York Times. The green light follows objections to the blockbuster deal by American and British regulators on the grounds that it would undercut competition. Now, does this mean that it's on or it's just on in the EU? It's one less roadblock. So the EU, the EU could have sort of said, no, you're not allowed to do it here. And that becomes a, an absolute logistics nightmare. Yeah, we sort of own it, but in these countries, but not in other countries. And so it becomes a complete and utter uh, arm <laughs> to put an example to it. So, yeah. So if the EU is saying, yeah, and these are the guys who have gone after Microsoft numerous times for antitrust are saying, you know what? We're probably going to let this one slide. That's actually pretty big for them to be able to uh, take the uh, HR nightmare under their umbrella. Yeah, I just, as somebody pointed out in the chat, I always forget the EU, of course, not UK. And then, of course, the US. No. So then there if, was this whole shoot yourself in the foot thing. Yeah. yeah. So US and UK have to approve it too. Yes. Windows 10 21H2 is, uh, you, you can't keep running it. As long as you connect your computer to the internet, Microsoft will say no. We're going to forcibly upgrade I suppose upgrade technically, you. yes. If you're running a Windows 10 machine that never talked to the internet, it wouldn't get this upgrade in June. I uh, Unless somebody came to your house. Like, they're just going to start going to people's homes with thumb drives and just saying, we're upgrading your system. Step out of the way. I mean, I wouldn't put it past them at this point. But hey, you're getting the final I, version of Windows, the Gold Master. We talked about it a week or two ago. Windows 10 22H2, the very final version of Windows 10 in its purest form. The bestest, uh, yeah, the bestest purest. final version. You install it and then <laughs> in instantly upgrade now to Windows 11. Like, oh, yeah. I, do I have to? It implies you have to. Mm -hmm. It's important because otherwise you won't get, you know, security upgrades that you need. I feel like to. it's really more important that because they lose uh, a one more node on their ad network if you don't upgrade to Windows 11. Yeah. You know what I'm saying here? I mean... If you're not enjoying the Windows 11 ad ad network, just wait longer. You will. You're, that's possibly an oversimplification. Yeah. I think it's a very sophisticated mm -hmm. data acquisition. Um, this is an well, it is. It just doesn't serve very good network. ads. It's not it, an it ad. It acquires a lot of very good data. Mm, it does it everything you type for quality assurance think, purposes. Everything that you type is being recorded. But you'd think the ad could be more targeted maybe they're just not getting the right advertisers give them time they'll get the ads right oh i'm sure they will yeah. and windows 13 yeah will there whatever. be a windows 13 whatever it takes well no because windows 10 was the final version of windows except for windows 11 except for windows well, 11. Uh, exactly well windows any, 11 any isn't really an operating system it's a transcendently perfect piece of software that it sort of envelops you and it, it, it mm -hmm. it's really an expression of it's the epitome uh, in other terms. Is it a corporate love letter to it, its users? Well, no, that'll be the next version the powered by Bing clone. like AI. Okay. Yes. Bing is writing the next version of Windows right now. And they're going to I'm sure it. it'll be very, Inside. very secure. And it's going to be at a, some sort of ridiculous and obscene. Uh, they're just going to be ridiculous. Like it'll be the, uh, I don't, I'm not going to say, I don't have to edit this later, but it's like, oh, that's not uh, the start button. That's the, what is, what is that button called? Okay. Interesting. I, I really hate to say it, but I, I really wish that they would just 
give up on that and just start making us pay for a new update to the operating system when a new one comes out and buy a new disk, download, whatever. But can't, So an OSS. Can't, the, the price of a new operating system has been set, and that price is zero. Well, no, but you're wrong because it'll be an OSS oh. soon. Yeah, operating systems it'll as a service. It'll be an operating system as a service. As a service. Yeah. So you're That's gonna, what they you're tried. Subscribe, you're going to subscribe to your OS for a, a very Everyone's a, a jumped on Office fee. 359. <laughs> I think they can pull it off this time. They you tried with, all, with Windows 11, and everyone sort yes. of gave them a middle finger. Yep, they balked at it. I, that's I can that's see my feeling where people's where people's heads are at. So you're saying with the right marketing, people will get on board. Speaking of marketing, yep. Windows ME, or as some people pronounce it, Windows Me. It was either Windows, Windows Millennium Mi- Edition or Windows Me. It's the Windows for me, not for work. That's Windows 2000. Wow. Windows Me. That sounds so friendly. But now the next version of Windows, Windows, Windows Us. And then a companion Windows. version, Windows EU. So Windows US, Windows EU, <laughs> Windows JP. You know, just different wow. versions of Windows all around the world. And you're just giving these ideas away. Or just, just Windows. It could away. be Windows World, WW. Go to www.www.com yes, to learn more <laughs> about the Windows an World. HTTP or an HTTPS. What's S? Because Windows is committed to security. So. Microsoft is committed to your security. Yep. Only available. So you have to install Linux and then log in to Edge to access your Windows operating system. Next up, let's scrutinize Solidime's Synergy Solid State software, Jeremy. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the uh, this is aged uh, like fine wine, like a nice fine Maltavino. Maltavino. divested their SSD business to SK Hynix, who rebranded it as Solidime, but essentially kept the entire crew together. And they came out with Synergy Software. And the first time it came out, it was good for the two Solidime drives that had come out, the P41 Pro and the P44. And it boosted your performance by about 5%, and it gave you a couple of interesting uh, statistics about what was going on with the SSD. It gave you a decent smart data that you could read. Well, they've since been working on this software, and the second edition is much more impressive. It will work on Solidime drives and Intel drives, surprisingly enough. It will give uh, from the benchmarks that uh, Tweaktown did somewhere between uh, three to eight percent performance boost for free. Just bang, you install it, you're getting significantly better performance on your SSDs. Uh, it's it's sort of an advanced trim in a way where it picks priority software and puts it in the fastest parts of the drive. But for any other drive, it gives you perfectly readable, smart uh, information. It'll give you live information about how hot the drive is running, what the wear levels are, the amount running left. It's honestly, it's free. It won't hurt anything. Uh, I'm sort of tempted because my old uh, Intel Q60, no, uh, what is it? The 6600P 
says there's a firmware update for it. And I'm like, okay, well, I should probably back it up. And I'm kind of curious if I give that firmware update to it, am I going to actually see a performance boost off of running this? Jeremy, I just actually went to look at the Intel 660p M.2 two terabyte drive. Uh, Newegg, $114 for the two terabyte 660p. Throw the solid management on top of it for an extra 5%. It seems like a pretty decent deal. Yeah, if you look at the results That's... from the PC Mark full drive benchmark, standard driver is 3379, uh, and then the score goes up to 3687 running Synergy. That is uh, Pass, pretty big. Passing a lot of drives on the way, including things like the WD Black SN770, uh, the Corsair MP600. Uh, what else notable in there? Oh, the Sabrent Rocket 4 Plus G, 4 terabyte yeah. drive, passing some fairly notable drives on the way just for installing their software. It's it's pretty much a no-brainer to go play with it. I, now, I don't think it works with uh, AMDs, but it does work with direct storage. So, yeah, so being fully compatible at least with direct storage is nice. I'd store me, well, yeah, we'll see. You could try. It's just, it's free software. It gives you a good uh, toolbox to work with. Uh, it's, it doesn't have a clone tool, but honestly, it's it's for monitoring and performance enhancing. It doesn't need to make clones. Your SSD would came with cloning software. I'm sure of it. Game demos. They used to come inside of magazines like these PC gamer discs, where you could try out a game before you bought it. Get excited about some upcoming title before you could even go out and physically buy the software. And those days have gone. Right? There's no more maximum CD. And you can't even really demo games anymore. You can buy them and then try to return them if you don't like them. But uh, the, the return terms are sort of slanted not your way. Oh, I see. I mean, I think no. Steam has, has a uh, situation where it's like a two-week return policy. Sounds pretty good. But only if you've played the game for less than two hours and they don't really give you the money back, you kind of just get Steam credit. So oh, there's no warning that you're approaching the point of no return. No. So all of a sudden countdown in the top corner. One yeah. More. yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, you've played this game for 130 minutes. Clearly you're enjoying it. Keep it. Yeah. So this the story here at PCPro.com. Could Valve be making game demos great again? <gasps> what does this mean? Oh, it's just it's one. So for a single free ninety well, minute run of the Dead Space. It's remaster. a single one. Okay. It's a toe in the water. But you don't have to buy the game. Right. You can just download this ninety minute demo, or it's just a if time. you go to Steam right now, it says it's already in your library. Just push here to play now, and I assume it then downloads, and you get ninety minutes to play. Okay. And it's not 90 minutes in the first section. It's just 90 minutes of play. So I'm hoping the speedrunner out there is going to uh, do some <laughs> annoying things with it. Run the game but, in 90 minutes or less, yes. The Honestly, the idea is, okay, I've got 90 minutes and I can poke around. Is this interesting? Does it seem annoying? Is this kind of fun? And the thing is that, honestly, if they start, and it's coupled, of course, with a 20% off. But the thing is that, if they actually sell a few games off of this, they'd kind of be dumb not to try it with other other titles, wouldn't they? I mean, well, if they don't sell a single them. one, then fine. 
you can imagine them sitting around the marketing table or the virtual, you know, meeting and going like, well, you know what, that, uh, that free play of 90 minutes, maybe brought in some sales. Let's try that in the next couple of releases. And maybe, you know, this is the start of making demos great again, I think is what you're implying. Yeah. And I hope so. And it'd it, be cool to try some. Yes. And it makes far more minutes. sense than Epic. Mm-hmm. Epic is mm-hmm. like, here's a game for free. Hope you buy the upgrade, the DLC, yeah. the, the DLC, like the I'm DLC. not complaining. I've been sucking them down like a, you know, a, a sailor that's been without rum for a year, but you don't get any off other sale off of it. It doesn't make sense, but you give me 90 minutes and it's like, yeah, you know what? This thing's crap. I, I'm not going to buy it. Or you know what? This actually might be worth spending money on. And you get it during the indie, like steam does their indie uh, dev thing. And you get a free shot at some games for a while. And I've bought a couple of those off of those. So it makes sense, you know, go with the triple A's especially, or the uh, zombified triple A's in the case of the remaster of dead space. And if you sell a couple, Hey, start spreading it. The, there's you, logic in the entertainment entertainment industry. And you see this in like a uh, subscription TV or internet uh, television channels where oftentimes you'll get the first episode or two of a particular series for free and then you get hooked on it and then you're like oh my gosh i, I want to see more i want to games are even better at this because you're like you know part of the action or part of the program so yeah. it really it works for that that subscription model and i can't understand why it wouldn't work uh here as well so it seems ridiculous like you said most things have a trial like a tv yeah. service or streaming service mm-hmm. so all have trials and the pc industry started this now. software that's, trials that's weird and they're getting away from the thing that helped drive the industry to begin with. I mean, shareware. Yeah. Was, yes, exactly. Was huge. The problem is that shareware yes. favored the game developers over the major studios who just wanted. Oh, can't have that. No, 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 no. Like id no. Software. Read the history of id Software. They made so much oh, yeah. money off of Doom. Oh, you're absolutely right there. Because they've, it was just a royalty going to the distribution model. They they owned the game and the software and took. The majority of the profits and that's just that's not acceptable anymore i, I hate to be the pessimist here but uh, i th- the, i think there's a very big problem with game demos coming back and that is that game developers would actually have to have the game running correctly and bug free at least for the section of the demo before they <laughs> released it Hey, the demo is the entire open game. Get as far as you can in 90 minutes. But your point is valid in that this this thing is sucks or it's buggy. It's very risky for this the This is developers. the E3 yeah. demo. This is the demo I can play. Are these even the same the game? Hell? Yeah, the demo the looks hell? like, uh, you know, 1997. Like, But hey, for the final version will get a, oh, a big great. polish. Um, imagine if Cyberpunk had been released that way. Yeah. CD Project Red is not doing demos anytime soon, let me tell you. No. Let's pause here for a word from this week's podcast sponsor. As a software engineer, it's not always straightforward to find just the right place to practice your craft. People like us can often find it difficult to settle into just the right role for our careers. Well, consider Bloomberg. They're out there working to build a top-notch information network for financial professionals, and they're looking for engineers to join their team. Personally, I know that I've always wanted to work on challenging projects that had real impact on actual shipping products and services, but sometimes that has just not worked out. While I've not yet worked for Bloomberg, they're forward-looking and are building tools their clients will come to rely on for systems that matter in solving real-world complex problems across global capital markets. 
They're working in real-time market and enterprise data with sophisticated analytics that are touched by over 350,000 financial professionals. Bloomberg Systems operate at tremendous scale with over 300 billion, yes, B is in billion, market messages daily. So many of you will already be up to speed on the majority of Bloomberg software as it's built in C++, JavaScript, and Python. So you're obviously not going to get locked into a proprietary shop as Bloomberg's engineers are active members of the open source community in both leveraging and making commits back to many projects. Learn more about the opportunities that await you by visiting Bloomberg.com careers. That's Bloomberg.com careers. We're back and we're going to go right into Security Corner. And our first story Get comes from Proofpoint. Yes. No, this was one that uh, Proofpoint pe- reached out to me yesterday, and uh, Day Job uses Proofpoint. So, yeah, I know that these guys know what they're talking about. This is amusing. It's Teams. Uh, and before you say, oh, well, I don't work for a corporation that uses Teams, well, yeah, guess what? Skype's going away, and Teams is pretty much auto installing on your Windows machine right now. They figured out a way to make the tabs an attack mechanism. Now, if you haven't dealt with Teams, it's tabbed because everything is tabbed now. One of the things that you can add as an application as a tab is a website. And by default, the website uh, application wants access to your email address, uh, things to identify the members of your team. It will grab data from other channels and so what they're doing is through an unvalidated uh, API that Microsoft didn't quite realize about, they can, if they've got access to your teams, add a new tab called website, rename it to be say files or one of your other normal tabs that everyone uses and trusts and boom, all of a sudden it moves to the top because it's the new tab. It pushes the valid one back into the plus or the three more section. And now the second that you click on it, you've given it permission to scrape the tabs name, the team's name, the team's Earl, your email address, the various things you've put into the chat. It's just absolutely bloody brilliant. I hate it so much. Uh, And this is stealing a cookie. Stealing a session cookie is enough to get them this access. And when they're looking at the percentages, uh, somewhere over 80%, I think it was, of client or of corporations that work with uh, Office 359 have been attacked in this way. There's a couple of other ones where you can uh, hijack a, a meeting URL. Essentially, you just you manage to get copied on an URL for a team invite and you leave the text alone, they change the URL to send them off somewhere else. But no, it's really this enable to change the tab name from a website, which has a huge amount of permissions that honestly shouldn't rename it to files. And the second you click on it, yeah, it's just, Oh wait, you're missing some files. Please upload them again. Or, Oh, sorry. We want to sync this files tab with the other files tab. Shloop. Everything is there. And yeah, Proofpoint is getting away, or sorry, is uh, stopping them from getting away most of the time. But even still, at it's, and this is, I think, lowballing, they're saying at least 60% of Microsoft 359 tenants suffered at least one successful 
account takeover incident. Not a, oh, MFA sopped it, but successful. And this is part of the way they're doing it is through teams. Like I said, hope you finish your drink and have a new one handy. But don't wait. Don't worry. It gets worse. Well, I I was <laughs> admiring the next headline because it just seems like such a time saver to have the Android yeah. malware pre-installed right from the factory for our convenience. It is convenient when the malware is already inside the house, isn't it? Yeah, right in the firmware. Isn't that right, Jeremy? Yeah, because uh, apparently back a couple of years ago, uh, it went from firmware is very expensive to develop and you need to go through a trusted supplier and pay through the nose to be able to get it. And then a bunch of companies appeared providing and said, hey, we've got all this firmware and it works brilliantly and we'll give it to you for free. Really? You, you, you'll provide it for free. Oh, yeah. Um, there's, there's a couple of plugins, and that's how we make our money. Don't worry about it. Just put your firmware on this cheap Android phone. And it turns out that those little free little plugins are literally able to, say, rent your device out for five minutes to whoever wants to pay them some money. So that for that five minutes... This company gets all your keystrokes, your geographic location, your IP address, any data going by, which carrier you're using. You know, just literally, they own your device for five minutes and you have no clue because this is in the firmware. So let me just let me just restate this. Because of the additions that these low-cost firmware providers have helpfully uh brought to a, a low-cost Android purveyor to say, hey, you have some firmware, firmware for your Android device. So because of their extensions within this firmware, this company can then say, hey, you know what? Uh, another company wants some today real-time information on a quick 5 million users, what they're doing, what they're typing, where they are. Yep, you've got it, uh, other company. We'll rent you our 5 million users that have uh, our hacked, not hacked, our specially provisioned firmware on our low-cost Android devices that are roaming all over the world, we'd be happy to provide you that data for a modest fee. And here you are, served on a platter, and you don't even know what's happening. So, yeah. And you have no way of that knowing. Android device, that Android device that was... Like, so there's cheap. no way for you to find out that you can find out that it was happening. No. It's not just that you don't know it was happening. There's literally nothing you can do to find out it's happening, let alone prevent it. It is important to note that the high-end purveyors of devices such as the Samsungs and the Googles of the world don't rent themselves out in this way. Well, not in this way. Oh, I take uh, it back. I, no, never mind. Forget what I just said. Yeah. <laughs> they, they, they do it internally. They do it inside. That's, they're, they're I've tried to figure out a way to say that. It's like, yeah, they just rent it to another part of their own Incestuous, I think, is company. the way to go. That's, that's a good but word here, for it. When you're thinking about this, it, no, it's not your bloody cell phone. It's your smart toaster. It's your yeah. smart TV. You did not pay extra for the firmware on that bloody TV. You did not pay extra for anything of the internet of shit. It is running these firmwares. And yes, it is apparently your for sale. It's, it's your dash more, cam. Many more ways than it, you thought. Yeah, it's your like dash that. cam. That it's, that, it's that cheap uh, Android-enabled uh, car stereo that you got. Yeah, it turns knew, out that there's uh, no such thing as a free lunch, after all. That I is did correct. reference that. Yep. 
That's All right. Uh, Tens to fall. Moving on to another uplifting story. This one's from Bleeping Computer. Parental control app with 5 million downloads vulnerable to attacks? Oh, well, that seems to defeat the purpose. Yes, I always find this so at odds when there's a piece of software that's supposed to provide some additional layer of control or security that in turn is vulnerable to the exact opposite that it is trying to prevent. I mm-hmm. Almost like they're trying to lure you in. I'm not sure they're doing it on purpose or whether it's just sloppy. So there's always two reasons for any, you know, bad thing when you look at it. Is it just, is it ignorance or malfeasance? You know, it's tough to say sometimes. But this particular software was discovered to be uh, suffering from several different uh, security issues as uh, in late 2022. I'm sorry, Jeremy, is you want to inject something here? Well, this is the Kids Place app, apparently. Yeah. If we haven't mentioned the name. So uh, avoid that. From Kidoware. It was the Hmm. Parental Control Kids Place application for Android. Do you really want to buy something Um, from Kidoware? No. But no, I was going to say, never ascribe to malice. What can be ascribed to ignorance? Total ignorance. Sure. So this allowed uh, unsalted password hashes could be hacked passing uh, backwards and forwards. Uh, There was a potential for cross-site scripting payloads. These, uh, there was a CRS uh, cross-site request forgery so that you could become the, the user and, and cause legitimate, legitimate changes be, for whatever the administrative user could do. There were uh, file exchanges where there could be uh, the ability to hack the device with a, a file that could be injected with pretty much anything. Um, there was one more. Oh, there was a... Oh, there was a way for the device to be hacked that uh, the holder, say this was a child, that the parent was attempting to kind of wall off from a lot of typical internet things. There was a way that it could be hacked to so that they could kind of do anything they wanted with the device, which I imagine that they probably wanted to hack it themselves if they really wanted full control. Uh, Again, this was from late 2022. Uh, there was a patch released uh, earlier this year. So if you're not on, what, 3.8.50, I think I just read, um, definitely get upgraded. If you're one of the 5 million users of this application. Yeah, 5 million. Mm-hmm. I just don't understand what there is on the internet that parents could object to their children being exposed to. Exactly. Use your imagination. <laughs> just go uh, to YouTube.com. one, I think. And search yeah, PC per... And just have them watch that all the time with ads. True. Have them watch True. every ad, click through the ads. True. It's great. It's educational. True. All right. Gaming quick hits. And it's going to be quick. It's going to live up to its name. Bam. We're going to begin with Jagged Alliance 3. They're going to try it again. So Jagged Alliance was an amazing turn-based tactical strategy game. Jagged Alliance 2 was arguably the best one that ever came out. Uh, They did an add-on to it, which wasn't too bad, but really didn't capture the the original. And then they put out, I believe it's up to five giant giant steaming pieces of fertilizer. They're promising that this one, and they went back to one of the original developers of the first two, not the main guy, but one of the big ones and are trying to recreate Jagged Alliance once again. I don't know. 
at this point, I've gone through almost two decades of just sheer disappointment. I will probably have to buy it because I've bought the rest of them like a bloody idiot. Uh, <laughs> I'm really kind of hoping that this one will actually be better. The one good thing is that they're really talking about supporting mods on it. And I mean, Giant Alliance 2, back in the day, like before total conversion mods were really a thing, they turned it into an urban combat mod. They took the entire map, redid it, excuse me, sector by sector into a city. Uh, there was a whole thing about don't bring a gun to a knife fight, because if you broke in, it was much easier to knife someone to death than be able to pull out a gun because it takes a little bit longer. And that mod was just amazing. Uh, Bears pit urban warfare. So maybe it won't be quite as bad as the last one, which was Jagged Alliance old folks edition, which was really just <laughs> awful. I never even bothered to finish it because it was just horrible. So I don't know any of you out there that remember it. They're trying it again. I don't know. I just needed to let you know. And in the on the subject of more game information, what is Warhammer Skulls, by the way? Is this a game show? Yes, it's been going on for quite a few years. Okay, I haven't heard of it. So it's going to return this month. World premieres, new trailers, behind-the-scenes looks, new content galore. Oh, I see it's a festival of video games in the UK. Yep. Well, a festival. It's, well, of course it's in the UK. But it's very Warhammer focused, as you might get from the uh, title of it. But well, you're going to get a look the... at uh, Space Marine too. Yep. And hey, Space Marine was fine. <laughs> that was just silliness. Uh, they're going to talk a lot about the new uh, Warhammer 3 uh, updates because they've got a whole year planned. And there should be, hopefully, a couple of uh, interesting surprises as well. I think they'll be doing a segment. Go ahead. Go for it. I was going to say they're probably doing a segment on competitive figure painting or figure oh, yes. detailing and things of that nature. So tune in for that. I'm almost positive that'll happen. At least, I've never watched it. At least 50% of uh, the podcast does appreciate Warhammer, though. Yes. And I really do dig a nicely painted and detailed Warhammer figurine. Yeah. I'll I never do it myself, but I do appreciate it. I do appreciate it. Finally, a quick look at a game that has mostly negative reviews on Steam. It is Hawken Reborn. This looks like it Hawken came was out, uh, fun. today. Sadly, mostly negative. Hmm. I wanted to. Like I don't this. know. I kind of enjoyed Hawken. It was a, a very fast multiplayer mech-based shooter where. Essentially, you did only have like a light, a medium, or a heavy mech. Uh, oh. Okay, so well, like I haven't seen any of the reviews. I haven't played the new one. Apparently, you just you can buy your way to success in this game. Yeah, people hate well, that. Well, that was the one thing that I wanted to know, because Hawken Reborn is apparently a free-to-play oh, no. first shooter oh, in early okay. access. Oh. So if they are going to monetize it... I need everyone to, uh, well, apparently Hawken is a money pit uh, to Henry Darr, but yes, Forever hmm. is a money pit. I I don't know. I, I want people to know about it because I did enjoy the first one, which did not involve any 
financial transactions whatsoever. You just played. And well, it, it has to be good. reborn. In its original form, Into, it didn't uh, make them any money, apparently. So And so now it's uh, loot boxes and mm-hmm. pay to play. But hey, at least you yeah. know. Let's let's move on to a couple of reviews. And one of them you can actually view right here on YouTube, because on our YouTube channel a couple days ago, I published our Dark Power 13 review. It's an 850-watt power supply from Be Quiet. This is 80 plus titanium rated. It's very efficient, has actually 950 watts peak, 850 watts continuous. And it has full ATX 3.0, it's PCIe 5, it has the 12 volt high power cable in the box, 600 watts. It has four 12 volt rails, which you can switch to a single 12 volt rail. I don't really understand their uh, power supply design well enough to be able to comment on that intelligently. But what I discovered in testing this was that it actually is quite capable of powering even a high-end AMD system with uh, a 4090 Founders Edition. I I thought that uh, your take during the entire video was presented extremely well. Uh, and as a uh, as an enlightened uh, tester, uh, you know, not as a full-fledged power supply, you know, engrossed in the nuances of every aspect of testing a power supply, I thought... Uh, what you did in this video was uh, excellent from a uh, figuring out whether uh, somebody would want to buy it or not. So good to go. I think it was a very good review that you did there. Uh, and uh, your eventual take on it, which was just going to be very serviceable for pretty much any sizable system that you could build today is spot on. Yeah. The problem with the, the testing apparatus that I was using was that it, you have to daisy chain them. And then it, I oh, wasn't yes. able to provide enough of a load to really push this thing. I mean, I was getting 520 Watts basically during yeah. the Passmark um, hardware pass through testing. But then later in the review, I just did some more practical testing. I did a video like screen capture of the actual, uh, there was a custom loop of 3d Mark speedway running with, uh, on the CPU, I had Cinebench R23 running in a loop on all core. It was really pushing things as far as the package power of the CPU, and I was hitting almost the full 450 watts on the GPU, and absolutely no problems. It's not like this thing was going to shut down mm. on me because it has, you know, 850 watts continuous up to 950 um, momentary, and the 4090 FE is a very well behaved GPU. So it, it wasn't going to shut this thing down. So I, as I mentioned at one point in the review, don't pair this with the 13900KS with no power limits and a 4090 and all that. But if you have any kind of well-behaved CPU, you can go up to that, you know, 7900XDX, 4090 territory. And it's a $250 product. And that may seem like a lot, but if this is ultra high efficiency, fully modular. The only other one that matched these specifications right now on Newegg, it's this FSP Hydro TI Pro. And I, mm-hmm. I just searched for 850 watts, anything that was titanium rated and ATX3 compatible. Because there is an EVGA that's like 209 on sale right now, but it's it's an eight-year-old power supply that is not compliant with modern standards, doesn't have the 12-volt high power, all that kind of stuff. So if you want something that is, as I mentioned, this particular blend, the latest standards, the ultra high efficiency. And this thing is up to 95% efficient. Mm. So mm. it, and it's $250. I mean, that's it. Power supplies are expensive again. 
they yes. were expensive. They got cheaper. They're expensive again. Now so. you break 700 watts or so, and yeah, the price just sort of bounces. But I and might I have to rip off the, of the FSP uh, 1200 off the leaderboard and replace it with that. I know it's one of the least important things about a power supply, but God, those dark power power supplies are gorgeous. Yep. Just the way they're <laughs> built, the way the fan cover is, the the aluminum outer shell, they just look great. If you've got a, a case that exposes the PSU, that's that's going to do it. In and I this covered particular that, power supplies the, case, you do have the, the overclocking panel as well. Yeah, there's a, a back plate. Watch the video. Yeah. You'll get to see. There's I put a bunch mm-hmm. of timestamps in there in case you don't want to listen to me and kind of ramble on about the cables and the back plate and the overclocking jumper and all of that stuff that's included with it. But one thing that you get if you move up to their pro, because they have the Dark Power 13 series includes their pro models, which I think go up to 1600 watts now. And those have the individually braided cables that almost look like cable mod cables right in the box. So, I mean, and on top of the fact that they go up to ridiculous um, power levels. And I have the 1500 watt one. You can't see it. It's blurry in the background here. But that previous generation Dark Power Pro for the GPU test bed, 1500 watts. So we never, I mean, I could go up to SLI 4090s if they even supported that someday or something similar to that. Your A50 did include some nicely braided cables, maybe not in the, the highest end material, but they were like, a, it was like a nylon. Or a Typical nylon braid. braid. Yeah. They're not the flat cables. Braided, they're thicker cables. So yeah. cable management, you will need a little bit of clearance, but you know what? It was, it's heavier gauge stuff. It, it was, it's a nice package. And uh, they did not sponsor the video or anything. They they asked me if I wanted to check out the new one. I said, yeah, I can do, I can do a quick review or something on that. And then uh, they sent me a little reminder because it's been several weeks, possibly even months. And I said, oh yeah, I'll get to that. So I came down here and just recorded a video on this uh, table behind me. Another review that went up actually on pcper.com that's the companion website to the youtube channel yes. as i'm you know trying to position it now i'm trying to go all gamers nexus <laughs> on y'all. although i won't just abandon we're not just going to abandon the website like some people do it's still For there many of Look. our viewers we probably need to explain so the website has something called a a text review on it yeah you can um, read you, the script you, right Jer- uh jeremy yeah. you did a video for this right this is just a video review of this actually you know what that's not a terrible it, idea it's it's very slow uh it, you gotta watch it for a while and it will slowly build up low to, fps uh, yeah mono price uh who back in 2015 provided the entire cast of the pc perspective podcast a bunch of uh their 60801 condenser usb mics and we tried them out and uh you know people have come and gone and a lot of people have sort of bailed on it, but Josh and I have been using those since then until they reached out and said, Hey, we've got something called the dark matter Sentry streaming microphone that we think should take on, uh, the, uh, Yeti blue X. So it has all the same features. It's got full four polar patterns that you can switch between. It's got a gain button. It's got volume. It's got an actual uh, microphone pass-through so you can monitor what you're hearing. And hey, sure, send it out. I'll see what I can do. Although I'm a little bit... If something is designed to do one thing 
it usually does it better than something designed to do multiple things at the same time. So it was a cardioid microphone. It was specifically built to do that. So you're adding bi-directional stereo and omnidirectional to this. Is this really necessary? But hey, I'll give it a try. And I, I kind of like the stand. I'm not using it because I've got the boom that they sent us, but it does actually have the, the whole portal sentry look to it. I'm sure they didn't want to challenge the trademark on that whatsoever, but hey. Oh, by naming it the it. Century? By naming it the yeah, Century, yeah, they had well, no intention of... Okay, just point out. None whatsoever. Uh-huh. Uh, I did find it a little odd that uh, the connection on the bottom of the microphone is USB-C, but it it's, comes on with the USB-A, and it is compatible with USB-1 or 2. So you could totally do USB-C to USB-C, you're just still getting USB to top transmission. And hey, maybe you don't need that much bandwidth for a microphone, but wouldn't you kind of like to have it? Like, uh, it's kind of nice. The, as you can see, if you're watching the video version, uh, the USB uh, lighting is muted. You can turn it off very easily, but uh, it even if you've got it on, it's not very blaring. It's hidden behind a guard, and so it's not going to show up on your stream or anything. On the very bottom is a button to cycle between or kill it. The screw hole is, as you would expect, a nice 5 8 so it will connect to just about everything. But one of the things that I did try, if you want to scroll down, is uh, I figured out a way to try the various modes. Because cardioid mode is what you've been hearing for the last three weeks. I've been using this microphone for three weeks now. But if you want to try Sebastian, I did uh, get a friend of mine to do a quick uh, 12 second a guitar riff on the other three. So the stereo, you'll hear a lot of crossover, right? There is yeah. definitely a, a pretend middle channel. Omni I like. Definitely more mono. Well, well that's it's like your, your meeting from microphone. the room. And so the bi-directional. It's like uh, extra wide. It's like the old extra wide button. Yeah. <laughs> so bi-directional, you're actually supposed to be like interviewing someone. So there's uh, one person on one side and one person on the other side. So I twisted it. So it was vertical. And <laughs> it gives you the nice stereo, but there's a lot more separation from it. Yeah. And uh, I'm impressed the fact that, yes, the microphone actually does switch modes and it does it effectively so that is kind of neat i don't know if you're going to really run into that or not uh for a usage scenario but if you are and you kind of like the uh the more modern look to it than the old school for the uh yeti the sentry is selling for 9.99 us or sorry 100 bucks us list it's usually on sale for about 75 or so yeah, the, it uh, is Yeti right Blue now, X, as a matter of fact. Yeah. Yeti Blue X is like 120 If you like that old school look, then, hey, maybe the Yeti Blue X will uh, do 
do it for you. So yeah, it's it's an interesting mic, and God, if if you're trying to do a stream or a podcast or a Twitch thing, get off of the headset, buy yourself a real microphone. And to be honest with you, and I think uh, people subtly don't realize this, the audio is actually more important than the video, way more. Our audio listeners would agree. Exactly. True. Audio listeners, they, they listen to the audio. That's why we call them audio listeners. <laughs> but even, even in this space, when you have a video that's going on at the same time, your audio is extremely important. I could not agree more. And speaking of audio, I'm going to use my voice to announce that it is time for Picks of the Week. Jeremy, please get us started. I'm really hoping that Josh had a donor kebab. Because, I mean, <laughs> Who wrote that? he's in the neighborhood. <laughs> I did, obviously. Okay. No, I mean, hey, the 5800X3D is an amazing processor. And if you can afford it, go for it. But there is currently a sale on at Canada Computers right now where you can pick up the 2D or maybe 1D. I don't think it's quite 1D, but it's 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 not 3D. The 70, or sorry, the Ryzen 7 5800X vanilla for 300 bucks with a coupon that knocks an additional 30 bucks off on it. So for 270 bucks, you can get a brand new eight core, 16 thread Zen 3 processor. If you're looking for an upgrade, there are a lot of worse choices you could do up here in Canada right now. Thank you. Brett, what is your yep. pick? Uh, my pick, it has to do with networking, as some of my picks often do. And this was something that I was sort of not fully aware of that these were available at this price point. And if you're building a network that's supposed to take advantage of higher speeds beyond 1G, say you're doing 2.5G switching, which is becoming more and more common now, a lot of those devices are going to be equipped with one or more 10G ports. So when you're transitioning backplane data from one device to another, you want to do that at the highest speeds possible. So if you have SFP plus ports, uh, which is those square ports that no network cable fits in, in case you weren't aware of that, here's a, a way for you to move that traffic from one device to another at a very, very reasonable cost. These are-, are Holy crap. Exactly. These are 10 bucks? G these are 10G SFP plus twin axe cables. They're relatively short, although you can buy them up to a few meters long. The uh, three, this well, is 3.28. <laughs> this is 3.28 feet or one meter uh, for $14.99. Now these are fixed for this SFP plus, SFP plus. You can't plug anything else into there. But if you're trying to get traffic from one device to another, and that's kind of all you're doing, uh, this works across many of the typical open uh, non-locked SFP plus ports. It's a great way to do it. You, and the the um, the shorter one, it, like that one was a meter. I think the half meter one is like eight or nine dollars. Uh, this is a great way to move that traffic from one backplane to another at ten G speeds on your rack. If you have more than one device, and Cisco that won't give it. Well, Cisco, Cisco might be up at it. Uh, depends on the Cisco device. Some devices are locked to particular. They uh, are SFP uh, pretty snitty. They are, but a lot of okay. the ones that are consumer level price, and I'm talking about, I'll go out on a, a limb and say, if you're buying something that's less than $500, it's $400, $300 range. Uh, you're definitely uh, probably buying one from a, a supplier that this is going to be friendly with. 
And again, this isn't for trafficking around the house. Zero to that. Exactly. This is not for trafficking around the house. Um, but if you're trying to get it from one backplane device to another and like fan it out again, or you coming from uh, like a ubiquity uh, dream machine, uh, do a, mm-hmm. uh, a 2.5 G switch and you, and then you have a couple ports on that. You want to jump that to a local 10 G switch where maybe you have a file server or something. This is a reasonable way to do that. And they're very, very inexpensive. I was originally looking at getting a couple of fiber uh, 10G SFP plus uh, devices, which aren't that much more. They're like 30 bucks for two or something like that. But this is 15 bucks, includes the uh, the cable, uh, and you're done. Wow. Nice. All right. Kent, your pick. So uh, cables are apparently the thing tonight, um, but mine are more power supply related. And if you're looking for custom sleeved power supply cables, I recently had a great experience ordering uh, from Insourced, uh, Insourced.net. Um, Joey there was fantastic to deal with, and um, I had never used them before. I've I used some other uh, custom builders when I've needed them. I sleeve cables, but I don't do 24 pins because I'm not a masochist. Um, but this is probably the highest quality 24 pin or it just a custom sleeve cable I've ever gotten from anyone I've, I've bought from before. He got it done quickly. Um, it's just fantastic. He includes combs. This one was for a small form factor build. So I didn't want combs on it, on it, but, um, yeah. So he includes combs, uh, you can pick the sleeving. He's got a configurator spreadsheet you can download. Tell him the cables you want. He's got a wide variety of power supplies. I actually ended up with him because I couldn't find anybody who could do Cooler Master, um, which is the power supply in this case, that um, could get it in any kind of reasonable time. uh, cable mod was really the Hold only the other one I could find and they're weeks and weeks and weeks out. Um, but yeah, uh, it was a great experience working with him. He's got a, 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 a sale going on right now of 10% off any sleeved uh, cables you get and it absolutely top notch quality workmanship on those. So, um, yeah, I highly recommended, uh, recommend insource.net for, custom cable needs very nice did you go with the 12 volt uh whooper uh no i actually i i well that case he does offer those um the case yeah the case that i'm using it's that was actually for going in this uh meshlicious behind me and the way the, that cable has to be routed to be managed properly, um, I had to use a really flexible um, a, a 12-volt high power. And I think I ordered those from Mod DIY. They're not custom-sleeved, um, but they're, the, the cabling they use is very soft, and so you can put a decent bend in it as long as you do it away from the plug. And uh, it worked great there and it's really not visible in the case which is nice very nice thank you and 
on that note, we're going to end the podcast because it's after midnight on the East Coast. Actually, it's exactly midnight. Right it now. is exactly midnight. It is exactly midnight. And we apologize, you know, no Josh, but Kent, you did an amazing job. And I think maybe- uh, uh, Excellent. Josh, excellent Kent. Off next Thank week. You. It'll be fine. Oh, yeah. oh. He can just, no, he'll replace me. I'll put him in this square and I'll just leave. And it can be oh, just- Oh, yeah. I don't know about that. Fine. Hmm. All right, but- uh, Thank you for listening, watching, and uh, we'll do it all again next week, just for you. Yeah, just more you. In fact, you know, with Computex, I'm guessing we'll have some more stuff to talk about. Oh, he said that probably, word. Probably, yeah. yeah. Some stuff that we couldn't talk about tonight, but can talk about next week. Yeah. <laughs>